I'm Ben Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much. Maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. Welcome back to the Shift to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Ben Easter. Today, I'm here with John Ensley, a chartered financial consultant. I'm really excited to have this conversation because I think we've been hearing a lot from listeners that we want to get more into some of the financial freedom stuff. And so I'm really excited to have this conversation with John today because we are going to talk all about way, different kind of different strategies, a, a, a less trod path, so to speak, for uh, for financial freedom strategies, I think is a way to put it. Would you, would that, anything to add to that, John? Oh, first of all, Ben, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And yes, I would totally agree. Kind of the uh, the path less less traveled. Right on, right on. So, um, John, why don't we start off by you telling us a little bit about like wh- you know how you got into this and sort of what's what's driving you, what's motivating you, and kind of your vision for your business. Yeah, absolutely, love to. So uh, my my story uh, really begins back in the '90s in the build up to the tech boom. But I'm gonna flash forward a little bit from there. I worked for a company and and had some money in what's called an employee stock ownership plan. It's kind of like a 401k. And then of course the uh the tech bubble burst and and that whole program really didn't turn out to be what, you know, everybody thought it was going to be. So after that I took what I did end up with out of that and uh, did some calculations and and based on uh, what I felt like was going to be an uh, an onerous tax situation down the road, I decided to pull that money out of there. And um, went in a direction of real estate, and so I uh, I bought a, a piece of property in Southwest Washington and started building out a small subdivision. And the plan was we were going to build spec homes on on these lots. And um, this was uh, by this time was in the early to mid two thousands. So you can probably tell mm. where this story's the going. time the time when everybody was getting into real estate. Exactly. right? Exactly. I had these as if appraisals. Right. These properties were just going to be worth a, a small fortune. So we were about halfway through the first spec house in about 2008. And um, when the, when the market that was began, right about the time. Yeah. 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 Could, <laughs> yeah. could not have been worse timing. And so to make a long story short, the, uh, the whole project really imploded. Um, it was very dark time for me. You know, that project failed spectacularly. Um, my day job at the time I was in commission sales. And of course the great recession struck and all my customers quit buying stuff. So my income plummeted. Uh, there was a divorce in there during that period of time. It was just really oh, dark days for, for me. Yeah. But today I'm, I'm really grateful actually for that whole experience um, because it was a wake up call for me. I just jumped into books. I read everything I could read and of course channels and blogs and, and all of it. And, um, and, and I just started educating myself on, on not only finances, that was kind of a central theme for me, but also life. And it, you know, I, 
I described prior to about 2009 and 10 as like my zombie years. And after is when I like woke up, right? I had this awakening. So I was on a webinar late like one night. slapped in the face financially to have an awakening. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yes. Unfortunately, we humans like, you know, we tend to be that way, right? We've got to, we've got to hit bottom before we, we, we really step back and start to, to go introspective and dig in. If you're listening out there, you do not have to hit bottom, but it is a motivating force. <laughs> Hitting bottom will certainly, For sure. will certainly put some fire under your ass. For sure. So in the course of all this reading and studying, I was on a webinar one night and this uh, advisor, financial advisor, was walking through this example with this couple and their home and their home equity. And then he started talking about this cash value life insurance policy. And that they were building up these cash values and he mapped this whole thing out over, over like 30 years. And at the time I kind of sat back in my seat because I hated the whole idea of life insurance, um, at the time. And this was my first exposure. Wait, to tell the me more. Why, why did you, why did you hate it? The idea of life um, insurance? I hated the idea of being worth more dead than alive. Oh yeah. Right on. Yeah, I use I I had the same thought is like I, why would I bet against myself? I don't even understand. Uh, yeah, why would I pay money to be worth more dead than alive, right? It made no yeah. it just it, it, not not saying that was a smart way to think about it, but that's the way I was thinking about it at the time. And so this was my first exposure to this idea that life insurance could be something more than a death benefit. That there was more to it than that. And so that that led me down that path and again reading and studying all I could. And I discovered a couple of books. Um, Nelson Nash wrote a book called Becoming Your Own Banker. Uh, Pamela Yellen uh, wrote a book called Bank on Yourself and um, a myriad of others. Um, and that really educated me somewhat on, on the whole idea of cash value life insurance as a wealth building platform, as a retirement right planning platform. Let's take a second because I want to explain some terms here because most people, I think, are going to think what you thought, which is like, why better myself? to die. I'll be more worth more dead than I am alive. And so this concept of a cash value life insurance, let's, let's just talk about what that means for a second. Cause I, I think people have all kinds of, you know, relationships with the idea of insurance salesmen and, and, yeah, uh, and, and, and what insurance is. And so let's just like break the, break the concept down. What is a cash value life insurance policy? So a cash value life insurance policy is a contract between an individual or an entity and an insurance company. And, um, it, there's a definitely a death benefit that, that forms the core of it. Uh, but a, of a life insurance policy designed the correct way will also accumulate what's called cash value. And so this pool, if you will, of cash builds up in the, in the contract over time. And, and I, and I think importantly, to, to think of as this and, and check me if I'm missing any of this. And by the way, before we go any farther in this, let's make a disclaimer here that we are not giving anyone listening any financial advice at all. You really want to be, this is like a very personal thing. So you really want to take your own situation to a professional like John or, um, any of your own professional team and go and have these conversations for your particular situation. Cause there is no one size fits all, you know, it, do, it doesn't work that way. This is just a, us exploring some topics that, you know, people might not have heard about before that are very viable wealth building, long-term wealth building sort of vehicles for people. So that is our lucid shift <laughs> disclaimer for this. And then let's kind of talk first, just a second, because you're saying that there's this like this pool of money or something like that. So 
one way that I've heard this described, and let me know if you if this lands with you or if you want to say it a different way, but it's kind of like something like a 401k where you where you do make like deposits into something over long term that will grow and you have access to it later. It's like more of a long term bucket. Uh, is that is that a, like a comparable thing to anal- to make an analogy here? It's sort of comparable. Um, so it, it's it's similar to any other savings vehicle, right? Whether that's a 401k or a savings account or a brokerage account where you're investing in stocks or whatever it is, you're putting some money in every month or every quarter or however you do it. Where it's not comparable is it's without all the restrictions, right? You can only put a certain amount in a 401k or an IRA. You're limited. The government limits how much you can do. That's not the case with with a, with a life policy. So it, it, it is similar from a standpoint of you're just building up cash. You're, you're, you're saving money. You're putting it in this particular vessel to hold it. And there's some distinct advantages by using the life insurance contract as a vessel. Yeah. So, so why would somebody do this uh, versus one of those? Uh, obviously, there's the amounts, but you could have multiple different long-term vehicles. So why would someone choose, choose this one in particular? So the advantages, let's talk about them. So there's a number of advantages. And we're talking about properly designed, high cash value, low commission, dividend paying life insurance, right? That's, that's what we're talking about using. It can be, it's going to, the way it's designed and the way it grows over time, it's going to increase by a larger amount every single year for the rest of your life. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's just how it works. And so you you end up with sort of this true compounding effect um, over a lifetime. And it, it, you know, can become pretty powerful if you understand the idea of behind compounding interest. The other piece of this is these cash values uh, while it is certainly a long-term strategy, these cash values are available to you in the short term. And this is where the, the, the concept of bank on yourself or becoming your own banker comes in, in that you can use these cash values. You can access financing through the insurance company to finance virtually anything. It could be an investment. It could be a large purchase. It could be business operations if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner. And so that becomes a, a there's really two sides of the coin to that. Uh, one side of the coin is the, the way the accounting and whatnot works when you're, when you take out a loan and pay it back, you get very, very appealing interest rates. Um, lower, much lower than market rates. The other side of the coin is that this underlying contract, this money you have in this policy continues to grow as if you didn't borrow it. Yeah. So this is one of the things I think is really cool for people to understand here is that, is that we're, we're, you know, we're paying our premiums into this cash value life insurance policy. So the pool is growing, the pool of money is growing. And then if you want to finance something in your life, you, and correct me if I, if I misunderstand anything that you're saying, but you borrow against it. And then even though you've borrowed that money against it to finance, whatever the thing was that you wanted to finance, the value of the life insurance policy continues to grow and gain its compounding interest over time because You've borrowed the money, but it's, you've borrowed against it. Like you've used it as collateral, essentially. So the collateral itself continues to grow. And then you have the, the money that you borrowed and you do whatever it is with it. One thing I think is really interesting for that for business owners, which we can talk about in a minute is that you can use that to finance businesses. You can use that to create, basically, you can make money on both sides of the, of the, the vehicle. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so I, I can give you a great example of that a story about um, a, a client who had some, uh, fast food restaurants. That was his thing. And so he opened up his policy 
which he funded from a Roth IRA that he had, but that's a whole other tangent we won't get into. But he opened up his policy and almost immediately within a week after the policy was issued, we he was able to borrow a lump sum from that policy and open another restaurant in his chain. Right. So he used that policy, loaned it to his business. His business invested the money in a building and the build out and and all the things that go along with that. And then collectively, I think this was his seventh or eighth location. Collectively, his whole business then paid him back. Right. Because he took the loan from the policy personally and then loaned it to his business as a business loan. The business then pays him back at a rate that he and his CPA worked out was acceptable, right? Okay. Um, yeah. He took that payment coming back from the business, paid the policy loan back. The policy loan, of course, is at much lower interest. And so there's mm-hmm. some arbitrage there. But the other thing is all the tax advantages that stacked up there. Cool. Great. So let, let's talk about the tax advantages because this is something I'm really interested in learning more about myself. So t- t- tell me, how, how do the tax advantages work? So life insurance all by itself has tax advantages without doing any of this, this financing, right? Um, if you're familiar with Ed Slott, he's a, a well-known CPA. He, he'll say over and over in his material that life insurance is one of the most under, misunderstood, underutilized sections of the tax code. And so life insurance, uh, it's tax deferred. So the cash, this pool of cash that's growing is growing tax deferred. You can access it through policy loans like we've talked about. That's, that's tax-free under current tax law. Okay, hold on. Ta- tax deferred means you pay your taxes later when you pull the money out. Correct. Yes, yeah. that means okay. it's you know, as it grows. Like if you had a savings account every year, you would get a ten ninety nine for whatever interest was that year. Mm-hmm. In a tax deferred vehicle, every year you don't get the ten ninety nine. It just grows, and you don't Continuous pay the tax on it. And then at some point in the future, if you take that money out, then there then there would be some tax on it, but not necessarily. Because we, we can also, if we design it correctly and then pull the money out correctly, we can create a retirement income stream that can also be completely tax-free. Okay, which we'll, we're going to come back to the retirement stream in a minute. There's lots of little nuggets here. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Totally. So it's tax-advantaged. So you talked about one of the one of the tax advantages, which is it's tax-deferred. Mm-hmm. So then what? tell me about the other tax advantages. Okay, so now um, ultimately to the death benefit, um, we'll, te- we'll pass income tax-free to the beneficiaries uh, at the end of your life. Um, there could be some estate tax things there, but usually that's going to be for very large estates. So, of course, you'll work with your accountant on, on those issues. And then, okay, so now let's get into what this client example that I gave you. Um, how that works. So he has uh, potentially, and again, I can't stress enough, you want to work with your accountant, your CPA, your tax person Figure out your to, own to do all this correctly. But potentially yeah. we have investment expense write-offs based on the interest we're paying on the policy loan. We have the loan made to the business and the business making payments back to the policy owner, right? So essentially we're extracting cash from the business and uh, because those are those are a stream of payments, they don't count towards Social Security and you know the, the self employment tax. So he's able to pull some cash out of the business and avoid self employment tax that way. Um, okay. And then of cool. course the business has the expense of paying the loan back. We can write some some business expenses off on the business side as well. And this is one example. There's a myriad of examples that could be worked through depending on the scenario. Love it. Yeah, love it. 
I like the little the teasers that we're getting here. That's great. So uh, so let's talk about retirement. So how does it work? Um, so if I want to use this money and not be dead, mm-hmm. how do I how does that work? So, um, you know, during the years that we own the policy, particularly if you're a business owner or an entrepreneur, you're probably going to borrow and repay, borrow and repay, borrow and repay many, 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 many times over your lifetime. And the whole time you do that, that underlying contract is just continuing to grow. Like I said, it's going to grow by a larger amount every year for the rest of your life. And there's nothing you can do about it. And so now it's retirement time where whatever age that is, or, or maybe it's time that we want to go take um, a mini retirement, right? Maybe we're 55 and we decide we're going to go sail around the world for a couple of years or something, right? So now we want to start drawing money out of the policy and using it as income. And we can create any kind of income stream we want to from that. And we do that either through what are called partial surrenders, which is basically like taking a withdrawal from the policy, um, or again, using policy loans. So if I'm in retirement and I'm never, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go back to work at some point or whatever the case may be, then those are the only kind of policy loans that we never pay back. Right. Cause you're going to die. That way, it's a retirement income stream and, and it's going to last. Paid back out of the, yeah. So I think this is just a really cool part of this. Uh, this vehicle, this concept that is just, it's, it's worth saying again, because like, I don't, I, I, it took me some understanding to get this, the hang of this in the first place too. It's like, you're going to be building up this bank of money. And then that pool of money is going to pass to whoever your inheritance are. Like that's, it's a, it's a death benefit, just like a, a term policy. But the difference is you, you have this pool of money that's growing and then you can borrow against it. And so like, if you get to a retirement age and you have this, this huge pool of money now that has been growing and continues to grow, you're still borrowing against that to live. You can use that borrowed stream of income as a, as like a way to um, pay your, your lifestyle, lifestyle expenses at that point. And exactly. you're, you know, you're borrowing them and, you know, theoretically you would pay them back, but you'll be dead. And then it'll just get paid back out of the, out, out of the, the policy. Death benefit. Out of the death benefit. Yeah, I think that's such a cool concept is that you 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 build up this pool of money and then you borrow against it and it continues to grow. It still continues to grow as you borrow against it and you're living your your life. Uh, let's talk about premiums because you have to pay your premiums. That is the that's the cost of this thing. That's where it comes from, where the all that money comes from in the first place. So yes. talk me through um, how premiums work. And then can we talk about also like when you can stop paying premiums? Yes. Absolutely. Those are great questions. Um, So premiums, first thing we have to do is switch our thinking a little bit about premiums, right? In our, in the rest of our life, a premium is this expense. It's this cost. They might car car insurance, premium, homeowner's insurance, all these things. It's just an outgo. Um, And I rarely use it. Like you're never getting your car insurance back ever. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And so we have to shift our thinking a little bit because the premiums that we're putting in the policy are different than like those auto premiums, right? Because we're, we're instantly, the minute we pay those premiums, at least a certain portion of it is, is almost instantly translating into cash value in the policy. So we have to think about the premiums more like the, the, the money we might put in a savings account or in a 401k, as you mentioned earlier, or something like that. In that it's not, it's not just disappearing like the auto premium. It's there's, there's a value to it ongoing. So first you have to uh, think about that. The, the second thing about premiums is it's really up to you. I mentioned there's no restrictions. So really the only restriction is, is how much you want or are able to put into the policy as premium. 
and the limit of what the life insurance company will issue on a single life, right? It's a function of your assets and your financial situation. So premiums are really determined by you in terms of the policy owner. How much do I want to put in? How much do I want to put away, essentially, is, is what we're saying. Yeah. And that's a function of the size of the, the overall size of the policy as well, right? So it's like, yes. how much do I want the sort of the, the full bucket? Yeah, exactly. So I go through an analysis process with every single client that I work with to figure that out. Right. So we're going to pull all the information together and have a lot of conversation about your dreams and your goals and what you want to accomplish to arrive at. Okay. Here's what your, and I'm glad, so glad you said earlier, it's an individual thing. Every one of these is, is specific to someone, um, and their exact situation. So here's what your policy would look like this much premium over this many years to produce this end result. Right on. Um, okay, so you, you're paying the premiums, but then this is the interesting thing, I think. It's like after a certain period of time, I, you know, and I think it's different for every policy, but it tends to be around the 10-year mark or so. Is that right? We've, we've lapped our premiums in the, in the growth of the policy. Yeah. So, so how, how does that work? So we can keep paying the premiums out of pocket if we want, or we have an option. You have a couple of options uh, to not pay premium pretty much any time after the seventh year, you can, you can stop paying Great. premium. Okay. After the seventh um, year. Yep. Anytime after that. And there's a couple of ways you can do it. One of the ways to do it is called an offset where very simply the, the, the minimum premium that's, that's uh, due on the policy gets offset from the increase in cash value every year. Um, that's a super simple approach. The other option is called reduced paid up where the death benefit is reduced such that the underlying contract is paid up. And so there's no further premiums due. The downside of that, of course, is the death benefit's going to be substantially reduced. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so that's interesting. I just really want to highlight that and say it in different words so that people can understand that. So like you pay into it for about seven years and then the policy will be, at this point, you've got this big bucket of money that's growing and we haven't talked about the floor and the ceiling yet, but let's do that in a second. But you have this big bucket of money that's growing now. And what happens around year seven is that the the policy starts to grow faster than the, the premiums that you're paying into it. And so what a deferment is, is that, sorry, that's what you called it? Offset. Um, Offset. That's the word. Uh, so what an offset is, is then you're rather you're paying the premiums out of the growth of the policy. And so that Correct. we can get to a point where this is like literally set it and forget it. You've you've paid into it a certain amount and now it's going to continue to grow and you can pay out of the premiums. Now, it's probably a good idea to pay into it more like longer than that, because then it'll grow even faster than the than what your premiums are taking out of it. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So. um I just think that's such a cool thing is that you like, you basically make this investment in a long-term bucket and then ultimately it starts to get rolling on its own. And then you don't have to make investments in it anymore because it's growing and you're paying for the thing out of the growth of the thing. I think that's really cool. Absolutely. Yes. And it's, uh, that's why I keep, I keep kind of reinforcing that it's going to grow by a larger amount every year for the rest of your life. And there's nothing you can do about it. Right. That's essentially yeah. what we're saying. It just keeps building up and building up and building up until it reaches a point where if you want it to, it can be self-sufficient. It doesn't have to be. You right can on. continue to keep feeding it. Feeding it. And, yep. and it's kind of funny because by the, by the time people get to that seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth year, well, now, now they're starting to see the power of it and they want right. to keep feeding it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> they want to pay yeah. as much premium as I can. <laughs> it's useful. Um, okay. So let's, let's talk about the, the floor and the ceiling. Cause I think this is a unique, um, part of this is, 
I, I think part of what makes this such a safe vehicle. And th- this is also part of the downside of it. So, so can you talk a little bit about the, how the, the caps work or the, um, I forget what, what it's called, but it's like, I think of it as like a straddle bet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, so the, the policy grows and it has like most, is it all policies or most of the policies have a floor of how much interest they can make in a year and, and a cap? How does that work? No, there's, there's really no floors and caps, um, in a, in a, a, a dividend paying whole life policy. Okay. And so what there it is though, is you have the, the policies that I don't want to get too lost in the weeds with technicalities, but the policies are, are really have three components. Um, so we have the base policy, which is the plain Jane whole life policy. Everybody knows about for 150 years now. Um, that kind of forms like the chassis where everything's built on top of that for the rest of the vehicle. And then we have two other riders and we're going to fund those riders in the right proportions in order to maximize the cash accumulation that the IRS says we can have within a, within a life insurance policy. And so here's the thing. The base portion is let's say a third of the total premium. That's the only portion that's obligatory. It's the only part that has to be paid to keep the policy in force. So two thirds of the premium is going into these other two riders and those are optional and flexible. So there's a, the, the, when I think of the floor and the, and the, and the ceiling, what I think of is the minimum premium that, that can be paid to keep the policy in force as opposed to the maximum that can be paid in a given year. All right. So I I see, I see what's going on here. So we're talking about the premiums and what I'm talking about is the, uh, the growth. So the growth of the the vehicle is tied to the market. Yeah. Not in a whole life policy. So in a, in a universal life policy, there'll be, um, an index universal life policy specifically, they'll be tied to a market index. Um, in which case there's additional growth that can be credited in the policy based on the performance of an, of an index. Um, I tend to focus on whole life insurance, which is not tied to an index based on the the guarantees that whole life has and, and a a couple other factors. Cool. So can you tell me what's, what is the growth tied to in a whole life policy? Where does the growth come from? So a whole life policy is an actuarial product, uh, which means that a actuary is doing a calculation to determine what the policy is going to do over time. And so there's all kinds of assumptions that are built into it. But those assumptions, once that policy is issued are locked in, they're guaranteed. And that's that's really what we're after is that guarantee so that we know 50 Uh, years from now, when we're 90 years old, we know exactly what that policy is going to do. Okay, so your growth is just guaranteed by an actuarial table, basically. So there's a component that's guaranteed on the guaranteed side of the policy. And then there mm-hmm. with mutual companies, this is a topic we haven't touched on yet. With mutual okay. companies, they're paying dividends to policy owners every year based on the performance of the insurance company. And so those dividends are not guaranteed, but they are a component of the growth. And so that part can vary. Dividend scales go up and down over time based on interest rate environments and other factors. So they're not guaranteed. Now, most of the companies that I work with have paid dividends every year for over a hundred years. So they've been phenomenally consistent, but not guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Cool. Awesome. Okay, great. So a couple kind of fun questions that I have, but is there anything else that you'd say as far as like high level understanding this as an investment vehicle 
Is there anything else that you'd say, any final thoughts that you'd have for people who are interested in this or, um, you know, kind of exploring their different options that they might have for their long-term investment vehicles? Yeah, absolutely. Um, keep an open mind, uh, reach out to, to, to someone, myself, uh, you know, somebody like me, uh, that can, that can do an analysis with you and have conversation with you and really understand what your goals and objectives are and really, uh, show you how to get there using a vehicle like this. The, the, my favorite way to describe these policies is it's just a system. It's a system for saving, investing, and borrowing, which is what I call the banking equation, right? We're all in the banking business, whether we like it or not, uh, because we're all saving, investing, and borrowing somewhere. And so this is a system that just these unique features we've been talking about put you in control and give you a lot more benefits using this system as opposed to the other systems that are out there. Yeah, because I don't know if we underscored that, but the, basically what you're doing is you're building your own bank, your own bank that you can borrow against and you can kind of be in control of the finances of it, that you don't have to go and get a loan from someone else because you are in control of the, that you give yourself a loan. Exactly. Or it, give your business a, a loan or whatever. It's a no recourse loan. There's no qualifying. There's no application. There's no collateral other than the life policy itself. So, exactly. so let's say you borrow from a policy to purchase a vehicle, right? You're, you're, even though you've borrowed from the policy, you're holding title to the vehicle. It's a no recourse loan. You haven't encumbered the vehicle, right? You own it, yeah. which, which puts you in a, in a much different position than most people are financing a vehicle. Exactly. Cause you don't need to go ask somebody else to help you borrow something. Yes. Great. Awesome. That's really cool. So you mentioned some books, but I'd love to hear what's your, uh, what are your, one of your top three favorite finance books if people want to go and like educate themselves for this specific concept i would say the bank on yourself revolution by pamela yellen uh is okay. probably the best place to start um she does okay. a fantastic job she does a fantastic job of explaining this bank on yourself concept that we were just talking about yeah yeah exactly yeah and then not in this topic uh fi favorite finance book or one of uh. your top three Oh boy, that's a tough one. Um, I would have to say another book that had a real huge impact in my life, uh, was the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Oh, hallelujah. Love that book. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. All right, John. So where can people find you if they want to have more of this conversation? And by the way, like I, I will say having somebody to talk to, to ask these questions is really, really important because you can, I mean, you can hear how many different pathways of understanding there are here. It's like, just like a really, uh, it's complicated to get the hang of what we're talking about in the first place. And so, um, so I do recommend having a conversation with someone like John to explore these conversations and to figure out like how this might fit into your own, into your own system of finance. So where can they get a hold of you, John? Uh, so I've, I've set up a page, uh, you can go to called jump on with John, that's J O H N John, uh, jump on with John.com. And on that site, you can request a strategy session. That's the best place to get started. You know, I think people worry a little about there being a sales pitch. It's, that's really not what it's about. It's about a conversation. I often say that this this concept, this idea can work for anyone, but it's not for everyone. And the the way to find out is to have a conversation with me and and see if it's a fit. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but it starts with that conversation. So jump on with john.com and we can have a conversation. Great. And we'll put that link in the show notes. Um, and I really appreciate you having a conversation with me today, John, and, uh, and exploring some of the, I, I feel like we, we skimmed a very thin layer across the surface of your knowledge, <laughs> but, uh, but it was really great having this conversation with you. So thanks for taking the time. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me, Ben. It's been awesome. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.